0: Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church from the prophet Isaiah. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give you Egypt as ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my sight and honored, I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in return for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not withhold, Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. And from the Gospel of Luke. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved With you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: You may be seated. Well, let's take a moment um, for prayer together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we approach your word and your table, we approach our life in you this morning. I pray that your spirit of transformation your spirit that shows up in our lives and moves in our very being would move us closer and closer to you. As we ask the big questions of life, who are we, where do we belong, I pray that in them all we would find you, that we would see you in the waters, in the fires, in the joys, in the pains of our life and realizing that every moment is holy and sacred because you are there. So Lord, show up, surprise us, move us, shake us, do whatever is need us to form us into who you have created us to be who you have named us from the very beginning until the end of time. In knowing you, may we know who we are. It's in your name we pray, amen. Well, as I shared earlier, we're in this season of epiphany. And epiphany, if you've ever kind of used the word in a sentence, it's like, you know, like, I, I had this epiphany this morning of how much I just love tacos or something like that. Like, sometimes we use it as a big word, um, and then we, I don't, you know, we don't use a big example of it. Or sometimes epiphanies are those moments where, like, the light turns on, and you feel scared to share this epiphany you had because it felt so intimate to yourself and, and because it just gets to the depth of who you are. An epiphany is more than just hearing words or new information. Epiphanies are not just things that you just Google and be like, oh, now I know where Tom Petty was from, and so that's an epiphany. Epiphanies are something in which they get to the depths of your soul, a light turns on. There is a deepest knowing and a transformation. There is a knowing in this receiving of this gift. And so, we're in a season that is set aside to open ourselves and say, Lord, show up. Speak to the deepest parts of me. I would say that a majority of us, we move through this world asking similar questions, sometimes not out loud, but we carry them with us as we walk through life, move from jobs and different seasons of our life. Echoing kind of in the background of our life is often, who who am I really? And and am I I acceptable? Am I good? Am I lovable? Who am I? Where, Where do I belong? Like, what is home? Where is a place of belonging for me? Where is purpose in my life? Is there purpose into my life? We all have these questions that are echoing in the very being of our soul. And our scripture today, I believe, says to us through the waters of Christ's baptism and these waters that we go through and are given in our own life, these are like an epiphany gift to these questions of who we are. If we will only receive them, and more importantly than just receiving them, if, if we will allow them to speak to the deepest parts of our knowing, our being, and, re- and transform How we live and move in this world. Our scripture has a way of whispering over the creation waters. When you ask, Who am I? Isaiah, the voice of God through the prophet Isaiah speaks back. Where do I belong? Through these baptism waters, we hear this kind of claiming of who you are. What is my purpose? To understand, this baptism water is saying that we have to go back, in some ways, very early on from creation to the movement of the people of God out of Egypt, and then to a people that are in exile, to the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah writes these powerful words. These are like words from God that sing like a chorus over the people, and my one hope for this morning is that these words would sing over you today and settle in the very depth of your being. So hear them. I'm not going to sing them, but hear them. My friends, do not fear. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. The Lord says, I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. The river shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fires, you shall not be burned. The flames will not consume. You are precious in my sight and honored. And I love you. Before we turn these words into some Hallmark card that we receive from Grandma, we must remember What ears they're falling upon. Who is hearing these words originally as they are spoken? The prophet Isaiah is writing and these words of God are being spoken to a people who are in deep exile. They are not at home with themselves or locationally in a place. They are in a place of probably great suffering and struggle, disillusion of who is God in this world. And they're not just in this exile out of like, oh, how did we get here? They're in this exile because we learned that, that there was sin and injustice. There was a mistreatment of poor that they did as a community. There was a worship of idols. And so they find themselves taken over by others, by something foreign, and they are moved into a place of exile, a place in which many of us maybe feel internally and a lot of people in our world live externally, kind of wondering where is a home. That home has been stolen from us our very existence and identity is moved away from the central place of where it was created and so it is to these ears and these people that this chorus is sung and my hope and isaiah's hope is that it still sings for us today it starts with this simple word that we see again and again through Scripture, that when God often shows up an angel or God speaks to someone, God usually walks in the room and just says, yeah, don't be afraid. One of the reasons, I think, is because of the awe of what God's voice and what God's, who God is and the very presence of God that is always around us that we will not wake up to so often. But when we do, we feel that awe and some of that fear and we go, we hold our breath. And to that, God enters and says, do not be afraid. After doing um, this kind of like end of year and going into the next year and sitting with a bunch of people and saying, what's your New Year's resolutions? I don't have any. I've got 20 or whatever they may be. And a lot of reflecting over 2018. I don't know what that year was like for you But one pattern that I saw in so many conversations and I saw within my own story and repeated journaling was one of fear. We live in a culture in a place often in which fear controls our decisions, our moods, our everyday. The fears and anxiety, and they may be true and right for us and definitely for others as well. The people in exile had plenty of reason to fear. We hold fear so tightly that it begins to just hold and wrap and control us. And we all just walk around trying to act like we're not shaking in our boots. Afraid of whether I'm going to keep my job. Afraid if everyone's going to find out that I don't really know who I am or what I'm doing in this world. Afraid that this relationship that I've poured so much into is falling apart. Afraid about just where this world is going. If you want to kind of have an expert in like worst case scenario, just sit with me for a couple minutes and I can just like get you to the worst case scenario moments. I carry it. We all carry it. And I just want to say very clearly, we're carrying it more now than I've often seen for good reasons and bad reasons. But we are a people of fear and it often becomes our God. And so what does God say to that? Do not fear. Do not fear is not just simply a welcome and open statement in which God, it is a promise. It is a something of saying, God, I am present with you, so do not fear. You will not be a people of fear. If it means to live in a paradoxical kind of way, if that's what it means to be a Christian as we move through this world and follow Christ... Probably the number one way to do that right now and this time is to be a people who are not controlled by fear. Do not fear, it says. Well, thanks, sure, I'll try that on. It's so now I'm afraid that I'm afraid. Um, so how do we move through this fear? I have redeemed you, I've called you by name, you are mine. And then it goes on with this interesting passage that doesn't seem like good news. When you... Pass through the waters. When you walk through the fires. So when you walk through the fires and the waters of this life, know that I am with you, you are mine, I have redeemed you. Do you notice what the passage isn't saying? Saying you will not walk through the waters. You will not go through the pain and the suffering. You will not go through the fire and the struggle of this life. It says when you Because we all walk through it in different ways and at different times, sometimes silently and sometimes it's proclaimed to the world around us, whether we want them to or not. The following God is not saying, hey, everything in life is just going to go great. When you. The promise of God is that when you go through these things, I'll redeem you, I'll be with you, I'll call you by name. It wasn't too long ago that I um, one of my favorite things in the world to do is go fly fishing. And about two years ago, I went with a friend, um, and we were fishing in this river that was really high. Um, and so we're kind of walking through it, and I knew there was this spot in which to get fish, and no one was going there. There's reasons for that. And so I started to slowly walk, and the water gets about a little over the waist. And I don't know if you've ever stopped in really fast-moving water. It's scary and st- Stupid. And you're wearing, as a fisherman, you're wearing these waders that are just designed to be filled with water and then weigh you down and push you to the bottom. Um, Around the corner is a big drop off, and so I start walking, but then I catch a fish over there, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to stand here forever. So I stood in waters that were like waist high, and I start catching all these fish, and I think this is the greatest thing. And then I turn to walk back, and I realize I have no strength in my legs whatsoever. My friend who was out of town, Eric, came over and he started, he joined me and I said, hey, I think I'm going to need some help walking across. So two grown men start walking across the river and I cannot put one foot in front of the other. And he starts yelling at me in the most loving way I've ever experienced. He said, you will not die on me today. And I'm holding onto his arm like a small child, and Eric's 6'4", and he's like, we're going to make it. It was like the biggest pep rally I've ever had, and he's literally carrying me. As we're stumbling, I'm thinking, this is it. I've lived a good life. <laughs> Say goodbye to Lauren. I caught fish. And, um... But he walked with me through those waters, and we didn't die, and I was tempted to go back, but didn't. I say all that because this image of water that happens again and again through Scripture is is not one of just like a still lake that's peaceful. It's a rushing, dangerous. It represents, much like fire does, it, it represents, it has a way of kind of just tearing us apart or making us realize how small we are. And we walk through these waters. The people of God were in slavery. For many years. And the way out was to walk through the waters in which God provided a path. To go to the good land, to the place in which God was preparing. They had to cross the very river in which Jesus is being baptized. And they had to walk through these waters. Now the waters of that river I walk through here in Colorado. Or the, the people walk to. I've watched people walk. Through harder waters people in this community. I've walked through some of them on my own. I've seen you walk through the waters of a loss of a job. I've seen you walk through the waters of broken relationships and divorce. I've seen you walk through the waters of medical woes and seeing what the doctor is going to say next. I've seen you walk through the waters as you watch your kids struggle sometimes in this world. We've walked through the waters of identity crisis, of a daily battle with depressions, anxieties. We've walked through the waters of a loss of a parent, a friend, and many of us, the loss of a child. These are waters that we walk through, and when we were, are in them, they overwhelm us. I don't know if scripture is just like lying, but I feel overwhelmed by them. I feel overwhelmed by other people's waters they're walking through. But through this water, through this fire, through these things that we walk through, God continues to sing out, and I have seen this as well through your stories. Do not fear, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you walk through the fires, you shall not be burned. You shall not be consumed. Just like Moses is standing in front of a burning bush that was burning, but it was not consumed. It was not completely destroyed. Even in the face of death, there is a promise in the gospel that you will not be consumed. Because you are precious in my sight. Honored, and I love you. Can you hear the rush of these words into the very center of your own soul this morning? I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're precious, honored, and I love you. My friends, this is a real true question. I know it. I ask it all the time, so deal with it. But do you believe that God loves you? Not in a trite, simple way. Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that God, as Scripture says, that is love, as the very ground of life in being, actually loves you, enjoys you, takes pleasure in you, and walks with you? Can you take the great leap to internally believe and be reminded that you are precious in God's sight, honored and loved? What would it truly look like to live a life that understands this good news that is for you? For a moment, close your eyes. I want you to bring into your imagination a real person, maybe. A real person that moves through this world with a deep understanding that they are loved. who's someone in your life that you just go, you know what, I I think they know that they're loved and they live from that place. My guess is that person that you're seeing right now has walked through some pretty wild waters and some harsh fires. But much like the people leaving Egypt, I bet that they have a sense of freedom in their eyes. They have a creativity, a daringness, a confidence, a self-compassion for themselves and for others. Now imagine if that person was you. My friends, how does God's love and promised presence become an epiphany that transforms you into a life that is filled as one who is loved so much that you actually may have compassion on who you are? That gives you a sense of belonging and a purpose. How would it shape us? Not just for our own self and our own comfort, but I think if we actually move as a people who are loved, it begins to shape the way we see others. I heard someone describe this week, a Christian is someone who sees Christ in all people and all things. Not fully, not saying, but saying there, there is a Christness, there is There is a belovedness in all things and all people. And that's what it means to be a Christian is one who sees the world in such a way. When we begin to understand this good news that the baptismal waters, the identity waters of Christ are identity waters for us, that these words are for us, for our neighbor, and for our world. I know it gets confusing when the scripture talks about, well, yeah, I love you so much, and you know what? I would sell those other people um, like, just trade them off because you're so much better than them. That's how we read it, right? Um, some of it, that's what it's saying. Um, I love this the way, um, the way it's written in the, the translation, the message. It says, I would sell off the whole world to get you back. I would trade creation just for you. It's this hyperbole that God is using. Like, I would take the greatest kingdom in this world, throw it away just because of you. That's how much I care for you. We say this to the people we love and to those around us that we care so much. I I would do anything. You know what? I would give my life for you. So do not fear for I am with you. This passage leads us lastly into the gospel of Luke in which Jesus steps into these very waters and I think hears these voices, hears this choir singing of being named, of being known, of belonging to this God that says, I am your redeemer and I am with you. Do not fear. And so Jesus goes to these baptismal waters and baptism is nothing less it is not it is nothing less than a finding our identity and i always talk about every time we touch water or it rains it's a reminder it's god's grace reminding us of our identity who we are every time we wash our hands we're reminded yeah that's right don't fear i'm the beloved i belong to god And so this simple, beautiful, that the world exists, this simple, beautiful thing of water is a continual reminder of our identity and who we are and washed and cleansed. But the one question that we always maybe have as we approach this, if we grew up maybe in Sunday school, is why the heck does Jesus go to be baptized? There's a lot of answers for it or a lot of thoughtful um, ways around it. Here's supposed to be this person who has not sinned, who has not done anything wrong, right? Um, he's showing up perfect. And John is saying, repent, turn around. You've got to do something with your life. And everyone's showing up, the poor, the soldier, the rich. I mean, if you like, everyone is in line. All of humanity is in line to receive these waters of baptism. And guess who joins the line? Jesus. We're not exactly sure why. It seems like it was more than just symbolism. There was something of moving through this humility, moving into this reminding of his own identity, of who God says he is. But Jesus steps in line. One pastor, Fred Craddock, puts it famously. These these two famous words that we see in Scripture, when all the people were baptized and Jesus also. I love that idea. Jesus also. Jesus gets in line with us. The poor, the rich, the religious, the refugee, the soldier. He gets in line. Because lines in some ways are a great like equalizer, aren't they? Like standing in line at the DMV. You feel the injustice and like There's got to be a way we can just get around this line somehow. In a line at the food court to get your orange Julius. You're like, I just don't want to... You guys don't do that? Um, (laughs) I just don't want to stand in line. In line for a bathroom. There are proper rules to line. Supposedly with lines, there is no privilege treatment here. You just get in line with the rest of everyone else. And so Jesus joins our line. He steps into humanity itself. And then he's called up next. I can imagine John, probably doesn't go this way, but John baptizing and saying, okay, who's up next? Number 42. And Jesus steps and says, yeah, it's my turn. Jesus also. He steps into the same water of everyone else's dirty feet. They didn't move over a little bit. Their dirty feet and broken soles touch this water, and so does Jesus. As he goes into the water, Jesus holds his breath. Most scholars believe that he plugged his nose as he went under the water. That's actually not true at all, but he goes under the waters and remembers the story his very parents told him of a people who had been rescued from slavery. And brought through the Red Sea of a people who crossed this very river to find a different identity. And as he comes out of this water, out of this very womb, as he comes to this new birth and new life, it's just like the story of creation where the spirit soars and hovers over the water and brings about new life. And then the loud voice proclaims, this is my beloved. It's the thing that's just repeated. It's what God says all the time to Jesus throughout his ministry. But here he does it before he even got started. Jesus didn't even have time to prove that he should be loved. He just got it from the beginning. So Jesus was baptized. And Jesus also Weeped at the grave of a friend. And Jesus also was frustrated, infuriated by the reality of justice. And Jesus also had dirty feet that needed washing. And Jesus also also fell down on his face and Jesus also was let down by his friends and Jesus also experienced pain and suffering and Jesus also cried out before God in a moment of despair and struggle asking for a different plan and Jesus also died Jesus also joined us in all of the things of this life Jesus also was resurrected Jesus also gave his life for the sake of all. And Jesus also gave us the very promise he received at baptism to be our promise. That we will rise out of the same waters and hear the spirit descend upon our very soul and say, you are my beloved, with you I am well pleased. Jesus also went through all of this. Not just to prove a point But to live in to what Isaiah said, do not fear for I am with you. This is what Jesus is. God with us. So through all the waters, the fires, through all the deep questions and struggles, I wish we could fix it. But what we can hear is the chorus singing behind it all, I am with you, you are precious, I honor you, and I love you. And Jesus also joins you in this story. He gets in line right behind you.